sight. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another fun episode of The Armed Ape. I'm your host, Tony. Well, excuse me for being retarded. When I did my first episode, I talked about how I wanted to do it every week, and it didn't really work out this time for me to be able to do that. What had happened was, I think I put the last one out on the, maybe on the 4th or something, and here it is already the the uh, 27th, so it's been, since I've put it out, at least two full, about three full weeks, really. Um, but what happened is, right after I put that one out, we were going to get ready to go to Montana the following week, so... That first week, you know, you you uh, get ready to go on the trip and you're scrambling around. And then, of course, the next week we were gone. And then you come back, you sort of have a week to get caught up and you got to get some stuff going here and there. So, unfortunately, I wasn't able to put out an episode over the last couple of weeks like I wanted to. But um, what I'm going to do on today's show... I don't know that I'm necessarily going to talk about maybe a product or do a product review, but I'll tell you about kind of what happened when I went to Montana, uh, some of the things that, that I did there, and kind of some of the things that I thought about while I was there. Uh, I live in Arizona, down in the Phoenix area, and uh, we had decided that we were going to go to Montana. And I wanted to take a firearm with me. Now, I'd never traveled with a firearm before. So I wasn't really sure kind of what the procedures were and all this stuff. So I went online and kind of looked at things and figured out what I needed to do. Uh, And then what I did, uh, and let me give a little background on kind of the airport situation here. And why I kind of used this time to sort of make, use this trip, I guess I should say to make this kind of be my first outing with a firearm. Years and years ago, there were two military bases or two Air Force bases out here in in the Phoenix area. There was uh, Luke Air Force Base and Williams Air Force Base. And Luke is over on the west side of town and Williams was over on the east side of town. And at the time when they first built those, there really wasn't anything around those bases. Uh, You know, of course, now, if you look at them, they're pretty much completely surrounded due to urban sprawl and development and all that other stuff. Eventually, due to military cutbacks, Williams Air Force Base got closed down. So you had basically a huge uh, huge runway with a tower and everything over there on the east side of town that nobody was using. And eventually, I think the city of Mesa uh, and some other people um, got in and kind of reopened it and were going to use it. And in Phoenix, the the main airport is Sky Harbor International. And once they did the plans with getting um, Williams open, and they call it Gateway, so we'll just I'll just call it Gateway from here on out. Once they got kind of Gateway going, what they wanted to do is they wanted to uh, siphon off or, or uh, bleed off some of the traffic from sky harbor to make it less crowded and they were going to send some of that over to gateway and initially they started out with just cargo stuff uh, and really small individual carriers and now they've got a couple of uh, i would say probably medium-sized carriers and one of the ones that's over there is called allegiant air and that's the one that we flew into montana because we were uh, able to do a direct flight we went from 
pretty much right out of Mesa into uh, Missoula. And if you're not real familiar with Montana geography, some of you guys may know about the Bitterroot Range, and uh, Missoula is is relatively close to there, about 40 miles away. So you fly into Missoula, and then we drove down to where we were going to stay at the cabin. And uh, the cabin that we stayed at was actually located on uh, about 13 acres, and I'll talk more about that stuff a little bit later. But what I wanted to do, because we were going to be out in an area where there was going to be a lot of wildlife and we were going to be pretty much in, well, you wouldn't call it like, you know, a total remote area. There's power and stuff right there. And you actually do have neighbors. You can, you can kind of see them there. Everybody's got kind of a pretty big piece. So, but I thought, well, I wasn't so much concerned or I, I, well, with two-legged trap, with two-legged predators. And I guess maybe I shouldn't say that I wasn't concerned because I'm always concerned about that um, uh, you know about somebody who who would want to attack you and especially if you're out in an isolated area nobody's going to be able to come and even if you could call a police it's going to take them a long time to get out there so I wanted to make sure that I had a firearm for personal protection just from people uh, because I always carry um, and as you know again as the name of the show should imply should should let you know I'm the armed ape so I'm a big believer in Second Amendment, big believer in in that you should carry a firearm with you all the time. Uh, if you can, if it's legal, make sure you're doing it legally. But you need to be armed. You need to understand that nobody's going to help you. And even if they want to help you, a lot of times, even if somebody was standing 10 feet away from you and came to your aid, a lot of times the person that's going to attack you can do some damage to you before even that guy that's you know, 10, 15 feet away could get to you and pull that guy off of you but if you're again aware of your surroundings you're aware of what's going on and you're armed you give yourself a much better chance and a much a much better uh, again a chance to have a good outcome at least on your end so anyway getting back to the whole airport thing um, gateway is much much smaller than than the phoenix airport is so what I did is once I went online and kind of figured out what the requirements were, I went down to the actual airline, to the uh, to the ticketing agent, and I talked to that guy and I said, okay, well here's what I want to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna be traveling with a firearm. What do I need to do? And I had a case that I was gonna use, and the way that it works is you at least with this airline, and usually with TSA it's the same way, um, especially if you're traveling with a handgun. They don't want you just to use a handgun case and then check that. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna use a, a, a case that the firearm goes into, especially in a handgun, that needs to be inside some form of checked luggage, and it has to be a certain type of case that can lock. and And uh, what they what the Allegiant people told me too was, I in fact I bought a Pelican case, and if you guys aren't familiar with that, just Google that and you'll be able to see. But um, they're a real hard plastic case. They're real tough, um, but it's got locking latches, and it's also got molded into the plastic places where you can put a couple of padlocks. So I not only had the locking latches on the case, but the Allegiant guy said, well, you'll probably want to do padlocks on those too, just in case. So when I, I talked to him about, well, what do I need to do? And he said, okay, well, this is the procedure that you're going to go through. When you come in here, just come up to the counter and say, I've got a firearm to declare. 
And he said, what we'll do is we'll, um, there's not really a, a, any paperwork per se that you sign. You actually, there's a little, uh, almost like, it looks kind of like a, a, a orange card. You know when they put like that um, on your baggage when they do that card like for identification? It's kind of like, looks like that, only it's bigger and it's orange. And basically what that card says is, I, I'm uh, declaring that I do have a firearm, but the ammunition is packed the way it should be packed, and it's not in the firearm. Um, and now with the ammunition, what they say is it has to be either in the cardboard box that it came in, or it needs to be in um, a plastic container, or um, I think you could use wood. I don't know if you could use metal or not. Um, probably not because you couldn't see through it. But if you any ammunition that you buy at the store usually is going to be individually packed. And, and what I mean by that is that when you open up a box of, of uh, especially handgun ammunition, the ammo is not just going to be laying in there. It's usually going to be inside a little plastic tray where they're all standing up. So they're not, in theory, really touching each other. Um, and that's what they want you to do when you travel with it. And there are restrictions on the amount of ammo you can take. Um, Pistol ammo, they said, or handgun ammo, let's just say, they said that you can't take more than 300. I was only taking, I think, about 25. So, um, and I had bought a, uh, a plastic container, and it's it kind of, if you looked at it from the top, it's like a little grid shape, and then it, it closes up and it holds the ammo. So each individual round goes into its own little slot. And so I showed that to the guy, and of course I didn't have the gun with me when I when I went to the airport, all I said, you know, I said, well, this is the case I'm planning to use. And again, this is the box. Can this go in here? You know, what can go in here and what can't? And so he said, oh, that's the box that you need and, and this and that and the other thing. And uh, as it turned out, the guy said, well, hey, when are you flying out? And I said, oh, we're flying out, you know, in a couple of weeks. And he said, well, I'll, I'll still be working here. So just come and get me. You know, I'll be working for when that flight leaves. I'm working that day. So when I got there, and it was time to fly. What you do is you you just go up to the counter and you say, "I'm here to I'm I'm, I'm uh, traveling with a firearm and I need to declare it." And then what they do is they ask you, uh, "Is it unloaded? Do you have the ammunition packed away separately?" And then, and then you just basically you sign this little orange card. And on the orange card it says that the ammo is packed away and it's packed away in a manner that you that that is compliant with the uh, with the regulations and that you. Uh, your, your firearm is unloaded and I had taken a revolver with me and what I actually did too was I took the actual cylinder out so I basically disassembled it um, and then what happens is, is once you check your bag what you do is you take that card and you put it either in the case or you can put it on around the case in theory what you're supposed to do is actually open up the case and put it in there and that's what I did the very first time on the way back when we were from Montana, I just tied it around the case that was in the luggage and that was fine. But what happens is they take your, uh, once you check in, they take your bag and they run it through an x-ray. And um, they also let TSA know, oh, this guy's bag is going to have a firearm on it so that they know that they're not surprised or anything. And then what you do is you just go through the rest of screening and go over to the gate and you wait. And then if they have a problem or if they want to talk to you about anything about the gun, if they think it's not packed properly or whatever, then they'll call you over the intercom and you can go back and you meet with TSA 
and then you open the case right there in front of them. You don't ever give them the case. In fact, it's 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 against the law for them to open it if you're not there. Um, and if they can't find you, what they do is then they don't um, they won't put your whole bag on the airplane. So you have to make sure that you're available and listening. But anyway. Going out there, it got checked. Everything was fine, and so I was able to do that, no problem. So I found the whole experience to be very, very simple and very easy. Um, I don't know if we were going out of Phoenix, out of of Sky Harbor, which is a much, much bigger airport. It's huge, tons of people everywhere. I don't know if there may have been a little bit more problem or if they would have been, you know, maybe giving me a little bit more of a hassle or something like that. But no problems at all. And in fact, when we went through the screening, I told the TSA guy, I said, oh, I'm traveling with a firearm and it's in the bag. And I said, I'll be at the gate if you guys need me. And he said, ah, we probably won't if they haven't called you by now. So, and that was intended up to be the case. So I would recommend that if you're going to travel with a firearm, but if you had a little uh, maybe trepidation about doing it, I'd say go ahead and do it because it was really no big deal. I mean, I... I just zipped through there, no problem. In fact, I, you know, I was a little nervous with it at first, thinking, oh, are they going to, you know, what are they going to do? But there was really nothing. And I think it's actually a little bit more common than you think. Uh, now, in fact, on our flight, I noticed that there were a couple other guys that had either rifle or shotgun cases. And because those are long guns and those are usually so much bigger, the cases that they travel with, the cases can actually be locked up and stuff like that, and they're used to it. And that's actually is is going to be a checked bag, and that is a case where that would be the case where that wouldn't have to go into luggage or a special container because the thing is big enough and it can be locked up and everything like that. So, uh, but when I was getting off the plane, I actually saw like two or three other guys that had either rifle or shotgun cases with them. Um, when we got off the plane, you just go down to baggage, you pick it up and, you know, get in your car and then head on out and do whatever you want to do. But getting back to what I was talking about before about why I wanted to take uh, a firearm with me. What I wanted to do was, since we were, I knew we were going to be out in the woods and I knew we were going to be away from people and I knew that, you know, help was going to be pretty far away. Um, if it was going to be able to come at all, uh, I wanted to have a firearm more for things like bears or mountain lions. I don't know if they have a big mountain lion population out there. I know they have a lot of bears out there, and I know people have been attacked. And I'm not sure. I know they have a lot of brown bears. I mean, not brown, but black bears. And of course, when you say black bears, sometimes their coats can be real light and everything. But I don't know if they have any grizzly out there. So if I know that there's a there was a plan to reintroduce them, but there's there's been opposition to that, and there's uh, because they don't want certain of the ranchers and the people that live out there don't want the grizzly reintroduced because they are such a huge big predator, and if you've ever seen one, you know even at the zoo or something like that, it's it's hard to kind of fathom how big they are until you've actually used and usually the way you're going to get really close to one is you're going to see one that's been stuffed you know so that that uh, somebody took and and they had a couple at the airport that were stuffed you know that had been to the taxidermist and i've seen some when we traveled up we did an alaska cruise in one of the towns we went in they had one that was when it stood up it was 12 feet tall now this thing was 
the one in Alaska was considered, you know, enormous even by their standards. The one in that we saw in the Missoula airport that had been stuffed, I think was about nine and a half feet tall. I'm not a small guy. I'm not a giant guy either. You know, I'm a little bit, I'm about 6'1". <laughs> but when you stand next to something that's nine feet tall and, and weighs, you know, 900 to 1200 pounds, they are just enormous. And that was the main reason why uh, that I wanted to take a firearm, which is just in case there was one out there, just in case some bears came, I wanted to have at least some form of protection on me. Um, now, so, and that was why I did it. And actually, I also reload. So I took, um, oh, and that's another thing. You know, maybe in the next couple of shows, we'll do a little bit about um, reloading and what type of equipment and things like that. And if anybody has any opinions on them, maybe do an MP3 file or send me in some, uh, you know, a pretty good detailed email. Um, if you don't know how to do an MP3 file, it's really easy. I'm doing this podcast, and you can you know you can probably tell the quality isn't going to be as good as some of the other stuff out there as far as audio. But I'm doing this pretty much everything is for free. My editing software is for free. I use Audacity. The microphone that I bought is just a um, it's a Logitech one that goes into the USB port, so it's a real cheap microphone. I only paid I think. Um, I think $30 for it. You can probably find them on sale cheaper and you can probably find other ones. Maybe if you wanted to even do like kind of the headset stuff. Um, but I found that that uh, this thing does just fine. The only thing I did do is I took a wire hanger and I made what they call the popping shield so that when you're talking into the microphone and stuff, it doesn't, you don't get like the, the, the hard T's and P's and stuff like that. Uh, but I just made that out of that and like an old... Uh, one of those you know like the the at the shoe store they have those little hoses that you can put on your feet if, for the women if they don't have any socks or anything basically out of one of those and that's that's kind of like my shield for the microphone so it's really really easy to do it if you'd like to do an mp3 but you're not really sure how email me and then i can i can i can probably just send you an mp3 um and just go over kind of step by step how you want to do it. Um, and you can also go on to uh, YouTube or you can Google it and you can find tons of stuff. But anyway, especially with Audacity, there's tons of YouTube videos out there on how to use it. So if some of you guys would like, you know, maybe go ahead and send me some MP3s or some emails and I'll go ahead and read them on the air about uh, the type of reloading equipment and what you use and, you know, when you got into it and things like that. So, and then we can also talk about what do you think is a quality uh, a, a quality press, a quality reloading kit, what do you think is, is good or bad. Uh, and maybe we'll do that three or four shows down the road. Um, if I don't get any, any response uh, to that, um, eh, well then you know, maybe I'll just go ahead and just kind of do it on, on my own a little bit and just talk about my experiences with it. But I'd really like to have some of you other guys just say, you know, I use a Dylan or I use a... Uh, the RC, what is it, R, RCBS, or I don't, I don't remember. Um, or I use the Lees, or these are the dies, or I have a Hornady setup. So, but anyway, kind of a going off on a tangent. I'm going to end up doing that a lot on this podcast. On my other one, I, I, I really try and stay a lot more, I guess, focused on something because I, uh, um, 
but on this one, I'm not as concerned with this. I wanted this to be a lot looser and be a lot more fun, and, and uh, so I can bounce back around, and, and uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, so when I when I reloaded, what I did is I went to my reloading manual, and I wanted to do what I would call um, something that would be a little bit have a little bit more poop to it and a little bit more energy to it than a standard uh, factory or uh, factory made load so something so what I did was is I still used 124 grain bullet but I did the maximum load I, in fact I went like just a couple grains less than the maximum load because what I wanted to do and this would be for a 357 and what I wanted to do was have something that uh, and it was with a flat nose bullet what I wanted to do is something that has um, really good penetration so that if I did end up having to shoot a bear or, uh, like I said, a mountain lion, like I said, I'm not sure if they have mountain lions up there or not. I know they have bobcats and lynx and stuff like that. Uh, but, or even if I had to shoot one of those, I wanted to be able to shoot it, have that bullet go in deep and, you know, blow through lungs or heart or do lots of damage in there so that they just, you know, whoop, they just bleed. Um, or if I had to shoot it in the head, I wanted something that would be able to bang, go right through that skull, right into the brain, uh, and, and, you know, knock out the brain and then everything else is going to stop. So I loaded it up pretty hot when I, I wanted to do, um, something with some pretty good, again, velocity and energy that was going to come out of there. And I had a six inch barrel. So, uh, you know, had I been able to do, be able to take it and been able to carry it around with me all the time. Um, I probably would have liked to take, you know, a rifle, but I didn't, you know, it, it's awful hard to carry a rifle on your hip. But, uh, so let's talk a little bit. So that's what I did as far as ammunition. And I felt pretty safe with that. Now, when we would go into town, um, I would, I would take the, I, I carried the gun with me. Now I have a concealed carry permit from Arizona and in Montana, they recognize that. Now, the laws in Montana are a little bit different, of course, than Arizona. However, Arizona is what they call an open carry state, and Montana is also an open carry state. So what that means is as long as the firearm is visible and not, and not um, covered up, either by clothing or obscured by clothing or whatever, um, you can carry it openly. You can pretty much go in anywhere. Um, there are certain places, again, in Montana where you can't go with a firearm. Uh, you can't go into any bars where they serve alcohol for consumption. Here in Arizona, that's recently changed. So when we would go into town, what I did is I just used, um, you know, kind of like my human load, which is basically I used Golden Sabre, uh, 124 grain, uh, you know, in the 357 Magnum, and their hollow points, and that is a real good... Um, real good man stopper if you look at like what the police agencies were using years ago that's what all the cops carried they but they usually carried them in a four inch barrel just because it was easier to get in and out of the car with it and stuff but those had a real good record for if somebody was trying to kill you or hurt you really bad or you know force you to get in the car and go somewhere where they're then they're going to torture you to death um, that 357 had a real good proven track record uh, and, you know, it's something that uh, that up there um, I carried openly a bunch, and I also carried concealed some. I did a little bit of both. 
I never had a problem. Nobody even batted an eye at me. In fact, I was on one of the trailheads, and I met three people. Two, I actually met um, four people. There was a, a couple, and they were probably in their 50s. And uh, I was out at the, the uh, what you would call the mouth of the trailhead, getting ready to go up, and that's where I met them. I talked to them for a while. Real nice people. Um, and while I was talking to her, it was funny, she was you know, strapping on her, uh, her pistol and she had a revolver and it looked like it was a, uh, I don't, it was a bigger revolver. I don't know if it was like maybe a 44 or 357, but she had a, a nice size revolver on there and she was strapping that on. And she, what's wild is neither of us even made any reference to it. And of course I had my revolver on my hip and she could see it and, but it wasn't even, it, it would be like, you know, you putting on a jacket or something or wearing a shirt and, and nobody would be alarmed that you had a shirt on or were wearing a jacket. So anyway, I talked to them and then we kind of went our separate ways. And I met a, uh, another guy on the trail, an older guy. And again, you know, he clearly saw the, the, uh, the firearm on my hip, didn't even mention it. In fact, he said, Oh, you know, be careful. There was, I saw, you know, I was up here a week ago and there was a, uh, uh, a sow with her two cubs so just you know be aware and I was like all right so I talked to him for a while real friendly real nice guy I ran into another guy uh, and he actually was hunting with his dog and he had a shotgun and of course he saw a thing but I talked to him for a little bit and the main thing is you know up there people are used to seeing guns so nobody was alarmed nobody was upset nobody freaked out and it was a really nice you know it was really nice to be out there and of course and can it be met with that attitude? And of course, you know, another thing that you can look at from that is you can say that even though I was in an area where most of the time I didn't see anybody, when I was walking that trail, the majority of the time I was alone. But I had encounters, again, with four people in an area that you normally wouldn't see a lot of people. So it, it kind of... You know, if you think you're going to go out in the woods and you think you're going to be, well, I'm going to be alone, I'm not going to run into anybody, uh, that may not be the case. And it makes a good a good argument for, if you can, be armed. You know, have a gun. You know, you don't have to have it necessarily out in the open, you know, unless that's the regulations. Uh, but, you know, it's a, good, it's a good idea to get that concealed carry permit. Again, it, what it allows you to do is it allows you to go to other states and bring in a gun. Uh, and especially if they know that you've got a concealed carry permit, if you run into law enforcement, most of those guys know if you've got the permit that you're not going to have any felonies, you're not going to be uh, mentally unstable or, or anything like that. So once they see that permit, they're going to know that you're a person who wants to obey the law and you're a person who doesn't want trouble. You just kind of, you know, if you're like me, let me go about my business. I'll let you go about your business. You do whatever you want as long as it doesn't infringe on my rights knock yourself out, you know. Um, all right, well, I think we're getting close to the 30-minute mark. I uh, just wanted to throw something out here real quick, and I know this isn't that organized and, and uh, all that stuff, and I'm not going to do a whole lot of editing with this. I'm just going to kind of pop it out. Uh, I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the other podcasts that I listen to. Like I said in a previous show, I'm a big fan of horror podcasts. I like I like pretty much all sorts of movies. 
one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to is uh, the Cadaver Lab podcast, and the hosts are Mike and Sam. Um, a really good podcast. In fact, what they did uh, recently, uh, at the end, they talked to uh, Sam. Actually, did an interview with a guy. Uh, what was his name? Oh shoot, I can't remember. Anyway, um, Schreiber or something like that. Maybe Joel Schreiber, Schreiber something. Anyway, the name of his book is called Death Troopers, and what it's about is it takes place in the Star Wars universe, and it's a horror novel. Um, so I'm going to try and get the book from the library. I checked and there was a couple of copies that were out. So when they come back in, I'm going to put a hold on them and I'll be able to get them. And I may talk about that book once I read it as well. But Sam did an interview with the guy and it was a real interesting interview. So I'd say if, if you're a big fan of movies and things like that, horror movies especially, um, go over and give those guys a listen. There's also another guy that I really like um, and he's... He, he does a lot. He talks about movies and different things and music and all that. But he does it from a real kind of philosophical point and he makes you think. And it's not always that you're going to agree with the guy. But even if you totally disagree with the guy, at least he gets you to think. And his, his name is Dave and his podcast is Cheap and... I, think, I don't know if it's The Cheap and Dirty or just Cheap and Dirty. But anyway, if you go to iTunes and just type in Cheap and Dirty, uh, you'll find his stuff. I'd say subscribe to him, give him a give him a listen, uh, and if you end up liking him, let him know. You know, drop him drop him an email and let him know. Hey, I was listening to Tony over at the Armed Ape, and he recommended your show to me. Um, same with Mike and Sam. If you go over there and listen to those guys, I think you'll really like them. They have a lot of fun, but they also do a lot of really good uh, discussions. And there's tons, like I said, there's just tons of good good podcasts out there that deal with movies. Um, there's Stephen Thompson who does JFMP. There's um, oh uh, I can't think of his name now. Um, he anyway his I'm drawing a total blank. Uh, his is the Dried Blood James at the Dried Blood podcast does a good job. There's Andy Treffenbach who does Destroy the Brain. All those guys and those are all going to be primarily either genre or horror podcasts. Um, Stephen does a lot more just general movies and things like that. So. Okay, that's enough ball sucking. Anyway, we're hitting the 30-minute mark. If you would like to contact me, uh, please feel free to do so. Um, you can send me. The best way to do it is just to send me an email at thearmedape at gmail.com. And that's all one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. If you want to send a uh, MP3, go ahead and do that. Some of the stuff that we're going to want to talk about in the future, as far as doing reviews on products and things, I uh, have a what's called a Safe Packer, and that's by Wilderness Tactical. So I think maybe the next show um, I'm going to do that. Um, and I'm planning on, let's see, today's the 27th, so maybe in the next uh, couple of weeks... So if we're looking at uh, maybe by November, try and have your stuff into me maybe by November 6th, um, which gives you know a couple of weeks, and then I'll do that. So what I may do is I may wait a couple of weeks to put out the next show and see if I get any responses. Um, and again, if you want to just do an email and send that to me, or if you want to do an MP3, go ahead and send that to me uh, through that way. 
and just give me your kind of thoughts on if you had any experience with the safe packer and what we can do is again we can get that review going also for future shows um, I wanted to do things about reloading equipment and let me know what you would think somebody who was brand new what they would need some of the basic stuff um, also I think what we'll do too is we'll talk about maybe different type of backpacks. We'll talk about, um, there's a knife that I got recently, and actually there's a couple of knives, knives that I got. One of them is a, that I've had for a while, is a Frost Mora. And this is kind of a, it's a smaller little, what you would call like maybe a camp knife. Um, and the other knife that I got, I bought uh, off a guy on, over at the Knife Blade Forums. And it's made by a company called Swamp Rat Knives. And these are uh, a company that's part of, originally I think it's Bussy started them. Um, and those are, they're kind of like a high-end knife company. And there's, Bussy actually has, I guess, two things that have branched off. There's Swamp Rat Knives and then there's Scrapyard. Um, and, but they're all pretty much under the same family. But anyway, the knife that I got was called the Chopweiler. It's a little bit bigger of a knife, but it's not too big. It's not. It's, uh, it's overall length. Um, I can't remember. I have to look at it measured. But it's a little bit heavier knife. It's a little bit thicker knife, and we can talk about those. So if you've had any experience with, uh, and for right now on that, let's maybe keep stick our reviews with the um, maybe with Swamp Rat knives. And then we can talk about or, or the Busey fa the whole Bussy family. So either if you've got a Swamp Rat knife or if you've got a knife from the Scrapyard Company or from uh, Bussy, again, send me in some uh, either emails on that. I can read those out at a later date. And what when we get closer to reviewing those knives, well, I'll, what I'll do is I'll let you guys know on that. All right, well, that's going to do it for today. Take care, and uh, I will talk to you guys hopefully next week. Um, like I said, I don't think we'll be doing any reviews next week unless I get a lot of stuff this week. Um, and if you, maybe we can, like I said, let's probably just hold off for a couple of weeks. So next week I'll just kind of maybe do kind of a nice, uh, another BS kind of rambling thing like I did today. So, oh, I know what you guys can do. If anybody's had any experience with flying with firearms, either good or bad, that was similar to mine, different than mine, send me those in either through the email or through an MP3, and that's what we can do a little bit of follow-up with on next week. Um, I'm definitely going to put out a show next week. All right, well, for about the 14th time, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Again, if you want to contact me, um, send me an email or an MP3 at thearmedape at gmail.com. Again, thearmedape at gmail.com. Um, if you want, also go ahead and leave me a review over on iTunes. Um, and actually, if you can't do a written review, I don't do Podcast Alley or anything like that. Um, but I do do the iTunes things. I think it does help. So if you can send me a couple reviews over there, take a little bit of time to do that, I'd appreciate it. All right, guys, take care. Talk to you later. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Houdini!